What's up, everybody? It's Coach Allie bringing you this week's episode of the Powerhouse Podcast, how to achieve, think, and receive like an Olympian. Super excited about this one today, guys. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Powerhouse Podcast, hosted by expert coaches Megan Swanson-Rhodes, former Miss Nebraska and Miss Nebraska USA, and Ali Swanson-Mancuso, also former Miss Nebraska and Mrs. Nebraska United States. Every Tuesday, we bring you a life-changing, challenging, and activating episode to help high-achieving women win their pageants, massively transform their mindsets, and dominate all aspects of life, both inside and outside of pageantry. Allie and Megan are international coaches of high-achieving women in all 50 states and beyond and live to see women conquer their dreams. If you are not already a part of our Powerhouse Club, join the fastest-growing group of winning pageant queens on the planet, linked in the show notes each week. Now, let's get on to this week's episode. Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? Good. Hopefully you're having a good day so far and listening to this podcast is going to make it a little bit better. I am absolutely pumped to discuss this topic today, how to think, achieve, and receive like an Olympian. To be honest, this topic is probably one of my favorite things to talk about because it's really practical to your life beyond pageantry. And I know we have some listeners in our podcast and on our YouTube channel that just listen to us because of our mindset work, not necessarily because they are competing in a pageant, which is great. And this is one of those episodes that's really going to pertain to you, whether you are competing for a pageant or you are not. I think having a healthy mindset and having a strong mindset is so, so, so important of just honestly being a healthy human being. It really is. Because when you know who you are at your core level, when the winds of the world come and start to blow left and right, front to back, if you were that plant that the winds are blowing on and you have deeply rooted roots, that is what having a strong mindset is like. Because no matter if the winds north, south, east, west start to blow, your roots are rooted so firmly in your convictions and your belief in who you are that you're unmoved by it. Yeah, the bark on your tree might fly off. You might lose some leaves, but you're still a tree and you're still grounded in who you are. And I wanted to start with that analogy today before we get into any of these specifics because I think it really is true for a lot of reasons and can be really applicable to different seasons of your life. Whether you are a teen listening to this, a miss listening to this, or a missus listening to this. I just think back to even five years ago, ten years ago, the person who I was. And this concept still reigned true. The leaders who I really admire and respect in my life aren't necessarily the individuals who are millionaires, who have the best house, who have the best external things or materialistic things, but it's somebody who in my life, I look at them as a person, I look at their marriage, I look at their family dynamic. Maybe I do look at them in a career context if that's something that I'm trying to aspire towards and I say, man, you know who you are. And that is a big reason why you have what you have and you've done what you've done in your life and you you have the people and the things around you 
I know some people talk about the law of attraction and I'm not going to speak to that specifically, but there is something to be said that when you think a certain way, you attract certain things to you. Think about a group that you were a part of sometime in your life, right? Maybe it's in school, maybe it is at church, maybe it's a volunteer thing that you were a part of. And think of that one person in your group that was constantly negative all the time, was super cynical, not the best version of sarcasm, because sarcasm can be great. My husband is super sarcastic. I get it. I live with that. Uh, And I think it's hilarious. But there is an element of cynicism that comes from a place of insecurity. So think of a time that you've been in a group, before we go into this training specifically, think of a time where you've been in a group and you've either prepared to be in that group if it was a school project or you're coming in with a certain assumption, a positive attitude in a good way, you're in a good place, but that one person is a detriment to the rest of the group and is honestly a cancer because they are so insecure or they're so negative or they just are running their mouth and can't shut up, to be honest, and it impacts your mood and how you are. I guarantee you, every single listener to this right now, you can envision a circumstance in your life or a time in your life where that was true. And the reason why the plant analogy, I just think of a palm tree, to be honest. I'm thinking of coastal regions lately, but even though I live in Nebraska and it's winter when I'm recording this, but a palm tree has to have deep roots because when those high hurricane winds blow, yeah, the, like I said before, the bark might fall off. You might lose some branches, some trees, or some leaves, rather. But the the more you are rooted down, the, the more forceful of winds can come and you're still a tree. You're still rooted. It doesn't uproot you and just completely change your life. So whether it's the tree analogy or the group analogy, that's kind of where I wanted to start today to get you to start analyzing where you are at as a a human being, your different buckets of how you're analyzing your health, your wellness. And we use the 7F framework at Powerhouse a lot. And you've probably heard that on another one of our podcasts, but that's fitness, faith, family, friends, fun, field. Um, I think I missed one. I think that was only six. Um, fitness, faith, fun, family, friendships, field, and finances. There we go. There's the seventh one. And I have to like use my fingers (laughs) and count it out. So I make sure I'm not missing one, but that's a framework that I coach from as well, just to make sure that before we jump into anything, achieve, think, or receive framework wise, you make sure that you're taking stock in where you are at and your own wellness If a couple of those areas of the buckets that I just mentioned are really lacking or you've never really done some deep work to think, am I healthy in this area? Do I care about this area of my life? Like what what am I doing in this area? Have I set a goal? Have I progressed at all since I was like 15 in this area? Am I balanced in this area? It's a great place to start when we're talking about mindset or kind of the law of attraction or even how to go about achieving high things in your life. And there's a reason why I titled this podcast or training today, rather, an Olympian at the end of that. You guys know that I am a collegiate athlete or I was a two-time All-American collegiate athlete. 
And I get a lot of questions about that. I certainly did when I did pageantry or when I did pageants um, about how that framed my mindset, how that shaped my competitive nature. And it 100% did. So when I was thinking of a way to put this into some kind of framework for you guys or package it in a way that's easy to understand, I instantly thought about an Olympian, right? Because when you think of an Olympian, what do you think of, right? How do Olympians succeed at such a high level? How do they train themselves against all odds, right, to produce the results they want to see in their lives? Why can't everybody do this? Why isn't everybody an Olympian? Why are the top athletes in the NBA, the MLB, NFL, WNBA, Olympics, whatever, why do they get there and some don't? Is it ability? Yeah, there's an element of that, right? If you are absolutely horrific at basketball and your your motor skills, your hand-eye coordination is just atrocious, maybe achieving sports in the realm of sports isn't the avenue that you want to pursue. Does that mean that you can't learn strong mindset skills, hold yourself accountable, and be intellectually uh, intellectually fit to apply the same principles to something else? No, it doesn't mean that. Anybody can learn these principles that I'm about to share and achieve quote-unquote Olympian status in a specific area. It just takes diligence. It takes accountability. It takes self-accountability, so accountability with others and self-accountability within yourself. It takes grit, determination, goal setting, all those things. And I firmly believe that everyone can physically do this. Everyone can physically learn this, right? You have a brain, you have a body, you can physically do things. We all breathe, we all have 24 hours in a day, but many succumb to their own comfort zone and what they are comfortable with, and just what they know. Every single human being on the face of the planet sees the world through their own lens, right? You can use bias if you want to use there in that sentence, but you only know the world through your own experience. So if you're looking at somebody else, like an Olympian, for for this example, how did you achieve what you achieved? Who were you around? What were you speaking to yourself? What resources did you have? What was your schedule like, right? What, what are you telling yourself in your, in your mind to get yourself there? How did you overcome some of these hurdles that the human body just runs into when you're training that hard? Now, I want to pause here and say again, this training does not just apply to if you are being an Olympian with sports, right? I'm six foot two, there's probably no way that I could ever be like, what's a, a gymnast, right? I probably decapitate myself on the parallel bars because it's only like a five foot gap in between. I hope somebody laughed at that. I, I think that's pretty funny. But that's just not my jam, right? I'm 6'2". I have an hourglass figure. My upper body strength has always kind of been lackadaisical. I have my power in my legs. Um, I have pretty balanced fatigue or fa- fatigue, right? But um, gymnastics is probably not my calling, right? So I'm not saying that this training has to be specifically in a sports context. No, maybe you're attributing this to your pageant journey. Maybe you're attributing this to your career path that you have in front of you. Maybe you're attributing this just to you getting healthy, you, your mindset getting healthy, right? It can 
relate and apply to a lot of different areas, okay? So the first thing I'm going to go into today is think. Think is the first point. You have three points today. Think, achieve, and receive, okay? Three easy things. You guys know I love organization and I love notes, so those are your three points for today. I have a couple questions for you guys that I just want you to ponder as we're going through this. So when we're thinking about think, how do Olympians think? Then I change this to you, okay? What is your opinion of yourself? Do you think that somebody achieves at a high level has a pretty high opinion of themselves? What's their inner confidence like? What's their self-worth? Just think on that for a second. I would... I would say, I know I paused for a little bit there, but I would argue to say that if anything, people who achieve at a high level, they 100% baseline have inner confidence and self-worth, but also they could err on the side of pride where they have too much inner confidence and they're like blind confidence, right? But if you look X's and O's of people who've achieved things, they're not not confident in themselves. If anything, they take blind action because they're overconfident and then they just achieve on the way and, and clean it up on the back half. I, I could name 15 names off the top of my head of people who fit that fit that mold, right? So if you're a person listening to this right now and you, you're like, Ali, I have this big goal in my life, but I'm just not confident in myself. That's probably a hindrance for you. It is. Not probably, but it is a hindrance because you were created to have a purpose on this earth. You're not just taking up space, right? You were created on purpose for a purpose. There's a way that you see the world that nobody else sees. There's a problem that you were born to solve that nobody else can solve because your unique perspective can do it, okay? And I could go on a whole rant about that or a whole podcast about that, but your opinion of yourself should be high, not in a cocky way, but in a confident way because you are the only you. You literally are. There might be another 6'2 blonde girl even named Allie, which this is funny because when I was Mr. Nebraska, don't re- don't uh, Google this, but when I was Mr. Nebraska, I had one of my friends Google me and there was like, I think a power lifter from Europe or something with the same name and she was like blonde and it was hilarious that we both had the same name. We were both on Google, if you just Google both of us, but couldn't be more different, right? Taking up space in totally different ways, totally different countries, but we have the same name and... I use that as an example because just because somebody is like you doesn't mean they are you, okay? You should be so confident in who you are and how you were made to be that that encourages you to better yourself so you think of the people you're going to impact if you are walking in your calling and your purpose. And I know those words get thrown out a lot, but to be honest, purpose, calling, all of that in a nutshell is you being the best you that you can be. Not to measure up to somebody else's standard, but you just be a healthy person, positively pour into the people around you, impact people in a positive way, and live out your passions. If every single person on this earth did that, can you imagine what world we would have? We would have a tremendous world. Like, people would be taking care of one another, and things would get done. Things would be achieved, and people would learn how to receive things, which I'll get to in a second. So what's your opinion of yourself? Next question, who are the five people in your inner circle? Any successful person that I've ever had the pleasure of talking to, like millionaires, billionaires, talked to uh, one of them before, and 
they will say that the people who you surround yourself with 100% matter to the type of person that you are and what happens in your life. So do you have people in your life that are where you want to be or where you used to be? So me, I'm coming up on my 30s, right? Am I surrounding myself with people, not that age is the deterrent here, right? But young 20-year-olds that are in college, they're partying partying still, they're in that phase, they're single, right? They're living a whole different lifestyle than I am approaching my 30s when I want to have a family, I'm married, I'm career-oriented right now, I'm service-oriented, I manage my time differently, I go to bed earlier, I really do. You know, I'm trying to be healthy as a human being. And again, not that I, not that a 21-year-old or whatever can't be in that same bucket, but I'm just using that as a, for the sake of this example. Or do I have people in my life that are married already? Maybe they have kids, maybe they're moms, maybe they're in their career and that's something that I aspire to be. Am I listening to those voices in a close context where they're pouring into me and I'm actually able to listen? Something to think about. What false narratives or lies do you believe about yourself? Like, I can never lose weight. I can never get that job. No one notices me. I'm ugly, right? These are things that I hear a lot. That is a false belief, okay? And this is where my faith is going to come in a little bit. I'm a Christian and I believe that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll talk to you through that negative self-talk to try and get you away from your purpose on this earth. And whether you are a faith-filled person or not, the principle still stands that whether you think it's the enemy or or just people, humans being humans, I believe it's a little bit of both. But you are in control of the thoughts that come through your mind. And even if you struggle from anxiety or depression or anything like that, you can control the thoughts in your head. You can take that thought captive and say, no, I'm not going to meditate on this. And if feelings of insecurity or fear or shame or lies come into your head, what are you going to do when that comes? It's not blocking them out so they just never come because we live in a fallen world and we live around people who make bad decisions and we're impacted by scary things, negative things all the time, right? So you can't live in a bubble and not expose yourself to those things. But what tactics do you actually have to adapt and overcome when those things happen in your life, okay? Like, huge. That is a principle that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And the earlier that you can learn that and keep it close to your chest and actually implement it and practice it in your daily life, it's going to transform who you are at your core level. So if you personally believe any of those things, just know that it's a lie. It is. I'll take the no one notices me one. So my pastor at my church said that one week and it struck me because there have been periods of my life where I was walking through insecurity and I thought that. I was like, no one's going out of their way to text me. No one wants to hang out with me. This person's just rude. Like, she doesn't like me. You know, I was really catty and this was when I was back in college and stuff. And you'd like to think that we've all grown out of that, right? But we all have our moments. And flipping that narrative on its head, okay, no one notices me. Have I tried to reach out to other people? Am I social in a group context? Like, I'll just take church because I'm talking about it. Do I go out of my way to say hi to people, to ask how they're doing, to ask about their children, to ask about their lives, 
Do I make myself physically available or am I hiding in the back and just go in, go out, not talk to anybody, right? So there's always another narrative. And I could say that with each of these things. I could never lose weight. Well, are you trying to? Are you eating healthy? Are you going to the gym regularly? Because it doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that those are the two ways that you lose weight. You eat healthy and you exercise. Either one of those things or a combo, right? I could never get that job. Okay, well, are you positioning yourself? This is getting a little bit into the achieve point, which I'll make in a second, but are you positioning yourself at work to be noticed, to take initiative? Are you going above and beyond the role that you were given and the expectations that somebody has for you? Are you proving yourself? Are you trying to get noticed? Not in a showboaty way of like, I deserve this, I'm now prideful, whatever, but do you actually have the skills that could qualify you for that job or are you hyping yourself up and you don't actually have the experience, right? Are you positioning yourself in some way? Are you working on how to revamp your resume? Are you asking the right questions? Are you being mentored by somebody to get that job? Like where's the discrepancy in skill set or experience? And are you willing to do the work to get there, right? Same thing with I'm ugly. This is gonna be a unpopular opinion, okay? Unpopular opinion. I believe that every single person is beautiful to some extent right? Beautiful meaning you should have inner confidence in yourself. Positive people are just more attractive to the world because you're nice, you're kind, you're warm for other people. And that has absolutely nothing to do with looks. Like physical appearance, that has nothing to do with physical appearance. That's not the hot take, okay? The hot take is that if you stay there, right, the way the world works, there is a physical difference between somebody who takes care of themselves and cares about their physical appearance. So women who care to put on makeup and women who don't. Can a woman be absolutely beautiful without it? 10 out of 10, 100%. Yes, 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 yes. But taking the time and intention to clean yourself up, to put on deodorant, right? To shower and to do those things that our society deems as more beautiful. Not that you have to, right? Because you should have those inner confidence things without that. But if your narrative in your head is, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, Okay, well, have you tried to learn beauty tips? Have you tried to upscale your fashion? Have you tried clean hygiene habits, right? (laughs) Right, like where is that coming from? Or is it just because somebody who is a broken human being told you that you were ugly one time, like an ex-boyfriend or something, and you now believe it, and that's now your narrative, and that's, that is pertaining to how you live your life with all these other decisions, right? So it could be a million different things, and don't mishear me. I I truly believe that everyone is beautiful, but there are things externally that you can do. Like that's just fact. You can wax your eyebrows. You can, if you're a hairy person, you can wax your lips, right? Or whatever. And there are things that you can do to make yourself more beautiful. You just have to know what that standard is for yourself and then own it. That's what I'm trying to say. But the lie itself, if it comes from a false narrative, that's something that you can take captive. And when those things come, you can speak to it and say, absolutely not. That's not who I am. That's not part of my identity. That's not who I was made to be. And that posture, that positive posture can position you to get a boyfriend or to have friends when you are a warm, kind-hearted person. And that's kind of how I'm qualifying ugly in different contexts. There's a beauty context. There is kind of an inner confidence context. There's a positive or negative context, all of that, okay? Last thing here on the point of think what are you listening to? What are you reading? Okay. 
these are voices that are molding you. Similarly to the five people that are in your inner circle, if you're listening to negative Nancy spew all the time about how the world is awful, our government's awful, it's the worst country, you know, we're all going to die, all these things, you are going to be living in a state of anxiety and fear and all of that. And not saying that there is a reality of certain things, right? Because facts are facts. That's not what I'm saying. But you can live your life still in a hopeful, positive context amidst chaos and all these things that are happening. I just think of the people in war times, right, that thrived and still learned how to find joy and find happiness in literally living in the middle of a war, which modern day people don't understand. Modern day America doesn't understand. But if they can find joy going through these massive world wars that we've been through, like you can find it in as an American citizen, if you're listening to this, if you're in another country, you can still too, right? I'm just kind of talking to my own country for a second. But who are you listening to? What are you reading? Are you reading things that are not good for you, that make you more insecure, that make you doubt who you are as a person, doubt your skill set? Or are you listening to things and reading things that empower you, that that push you to be a better person, that help you practically implement strategies to communicate better, to be better in tune with your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings and better connect with your loved ones and your friends. Those are healthy things. And there's so many wonderful resources out there rather than just listening to the crap that we normally put into our brains, into our ears. It does have an impact on you. So wrapping up this first point, I know I spent a long time on it, but first point is think for a big reason, because that is your mindset. If you want to achieve like an Olympian, you want to succeed like an Olympian, it starts with how you think. It really, really does. So moving into point number two, achieve. I kind of went over some of this already because I merged the two, but just in my explanations, but a couple key questions. How are you growing on a daily and weekly basis? Okay. How are you growing on a daily and weekly basis? Are you, are you tracking your growth progress at all? Like, do you know how to track your growth process? Do you have a mechanism of tracking that, whether that's journaling or some kind of chart to assess where you're at? These things are extremely important because if you don't know necessarily where you're going, so if you can't set a goal, if you're unable to, or you just aren't, right, then you don't know where you're going. You don't have vision. You're going to just stay where you're at and kind of live life in an and adapt to things as they come. And that is not a forward-thinking person or a person who has vision, right? So you have to have vision. You have to be able to set goals. But tracking it along the way shows that you've grown. It's not just a hype, hype uh, what's the word I want to say? Um, hypothetical, there we go. I almost said hyperbole. Hypothetical thing, like, oh, I feel like I've grown, right? Like I've grown in age. I'm two years older. Woohoo. No, like, have you actually grown and by what metrics? You know, I'm a geek about metrics all the time. If you've done a paperwork session with me, I'm like, metrics, 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 impact points. What are you doing? How are you proving it? What's the why? What's the how? Right? And those are good questions to ask, by the way, for, for this as well. But tracking your growth process, an easy example is losing weight. Okay? If you're not tracking yourself losing weight, how do you know that you've actually lost weight? Unless you get on a scale, you've measured your body fat percentage, right? You could go how you feel, which is 
also could be argued is a, a method of tracking. You're like, I feel good today. I want to feel good every day. I don't care about the number. Okay, great. But you're still tracking it. Without tracking growth process, you don't know that you've actually grown in anything because you have no conception of where you started and where you're at now. So there's a million different ways to do that. But if you're going to achieve something, which is the second point here, you have to grow. You have to grow because it's inevitable. The goal that you set for yourself or something you have in your future, you are not going to measure up to the standards, the experience, the expectations in some form or fashion to the goal that you have. And you're going to have to grow yourself to fit the mold or be able to do that job or achieve the thing. Okay. I can use basketball as an example. I played college basketball. I've talked about that already. If I had the goal of being a two-time All-American athlete, which I achieved, okay, can I just sit in my room on my bed in college and not practice my shot or sweat in the weight room lifting weights or get stronger and get better and practice basketball strategy, memorize my plays on, on offense and know what defense we're in? Like all of those things strategically, I had to set many goals to accomplish that big goal. And all of that is trackable, right? Did I learn it? Did I not? When am I doing that? All those things. So regardless of the context of what your goal is or where you're going, ask yourself that question. How are you tracking your progress or growth? Maybe you've never done that in the past and that's a huge hindrance as to why you're not actually achieving things in your life. For my pageant people listening to this, this could be a huge reason why you go to the state competition or the national competition and you're like, well, now I know the standard because you're eyes are this way, so left and right, rather than focused internally or tunnel vision, which you should be having when you are competing, but you're left and right. What I mean by that is you are in analysis mode of, oh my gosh, her walk is so good. She's so fit. Her gown is outstanding. And then you're self-conscious, self-conscious, self-conscious trying to compare yourself to everybody else, right? How about if you're tracking yourself on the way to the pageant, Okay, you know what the standard is, you know that you're progressing, how much more are you going to be confident in yourself knowing that if you meet the goal that you have and you follow these trackable steps that your talent is going to be up to par, your walk is going to be up to par when you compete for that pageant and it's not a reactive perspective, but it's a proactive perspective and that's what I'm trying to communicate here. Okay, so overall it's are you positioning are you positioning yourself for success? Are you actually doing that? Take a deep look at your habits, your behaviors, your schedule, how often you get distracted. Are you positioning yourself for success? And most of the time, if I'm being 100% honest with people listening to this, you distract yourself way more than you actually believe that you do, right? Think about during your day, how much you check social media or how much time you spend on Hulu or Netflix or any of these streaming platforms, how much dead space there is during your day where you're not actually resting because resting is extremely important to schedule and you need days of rest. You need times during your day to mentally unplug, to do something that is relaxing and calms down your mind, calms down your body and calms down your stress levels. 100%. That's not what I'm talking about. Distractions are when you're in that middle state and you're not actually unwinding, but your brain is still engaged. So watching TV, scrolling social media, even sometimes listening to music, depending on what you're doing with that. But in that state, you are not resting. You're not, you're, you're actively, like your brain is getting information. Your, your eyes can be 
what's what's the word I want exposed to blue light all of those things have impacts on you and you might be like well Allie, I unwind at the end of the day by watching Netflix or scrolling social media okay great read any article on blue light about how that's awful for you to have screen time right before you go to bed and that will change your mind I'm not gonna hit on that in this podcast but that's not rest right so thinking about your behaviors and your actions during your day and you kind of do a time audit So this is something with our powerhouse planner that we have. We have you do a framework called time chunking where you put in your week, your non-negotiable. So if I'm working eight to five or something like that, or if you're a college student listening to this or watching this, that you have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule of class from eight to noon. And then Tuesday, Thursday, my class is 10 to 2.15, whatever your thing is, right? You block that off. Then I have if you're in high school, dance practice or a sport from 3.30, 5.30, like you're time chunking your schedule. You visually have it out in front of you and say, where do I have open space to plan for my pageant, to achieve this goal, to read this book, to do whatever your goal actually is and take strides and take action. That is why tracking or organizing or whatever you want to call it is so important because you can see it in front of you. And then you can monitor yourself as you're going day to day and life doesn't just happen to you, right? It doesn't just happen to you so that three months down the road go by and then again, you didn't meet your goal of losing 15 pounds or you aren't ready for the presentation at work because you didn't take the time to actually prepare for it. You procrastinated and then you're rushing at the end and it isn't your actual best, right? You can apply this concept to anything that you do in life. And do I do it perfectly all the time? No, because I'm human and I get it, right? Like I'm right there with you guys. But when I do this, I thrive, guys, I do. I thrive, my clients thrive, my pageant girls thrive. You thrive when you do this. You, it, it really is a true concept. And so are you positioning yourself for success? How are you spending your downtime? So if I were to put a flow to this, set goals, time chunk your day, limit distractions, and hold yourself accountable. Those are the four sub points of this achieve secondary point, okay? The first one was think, the second one is achieve. How do Olympians achieve what they want to do, right? They set the goal, their day is meticulously planned out, they limit distractions, they hold themselves accountable. So if they say they're going to work out, they work out. If they say they're going to drink water, they drink water. If they say they're going to go to lunch with a friend, they go to lunch with a friend, even if they don't want to 10 minutes before and their body is telling them to cancel. No, they do it because they know it's going to positively pour into their life. Okay, that skill is the number one thing of high achieving people. And I know that if you're watching this or listening to this, you are a high achieving person. You want to be a high achieving person. Okay, you want to accomplish things. You want to dream big. You want that title. You want that promotion. You you want whatever that thing is. Use this framework, okay? And then give me your feedback because I know it's gonna work in your life, okay? Okay, last point here without dragging this out too long is receive, okay? And receive can mean a lot of different things. That might even trigger an emotional response from you when I say the word receive, okay? Asking a couple questions here. Are you open to gifts and wonderful things happening to you? Are you? Think about that for a second. I know for me, there was a period of time where I really struggled receiving things and I had to really dive deep as to why that was the case. And I felt like I judged 
the gifts that people gave me. And it was from really an insecure place or a really prideful place, to be honest. And gifts are not my love language. I will be the first to admit that. My husband is, or my husband is um, gifts. One of his love languages are gifts. And I've had to learn to love that. And I've had to learn how to be good with giving gifts. But there's a principle there that even regardless if it's your love language of gifts, are you open to gifts and just wonderful things in life happening to you? Or are you of the belief that no one gives me anything, none of that stuff ever happens to me? If someone tries to pay for, you know, my groceries in line or my Starbucks in line, I would maybe get mad. Like maybe that is you, right? And that type of person, normally the emotion that comes out is what do you want? Like, you want to pay for my Starbucks? Like, what do you want? Like, that's that doesn't happen to me. You know, and it's kind of like a combative, my fists are up, and I couldn't possibly be open to receiving something from random person or even somebody that I know, right? So starting there, if that's you, that's not a normal response. It's not. So think back to why you think that way. Maybe there was a circumstance in your life or something that has happened to you where you are a little cynical and you can't open yourself up to the warmth of receiving a gift or something wonderful from somebody else. Even if there are no strings attached, but your narrative in your head is basically like, where are the strings? Like, there's got to be, there's got to be another shoe that's going to drop. I'm going to get hurt, you know, and it's a self-defense mechanism rather than just embracing it and not saying that those things don't happen where there's the gotcha moments and, um, people do have another agenda. Like again, people suck sometimes and <laughs> to be frank and and sometimes that is the case. But most of the time, we, if we're believing the best in people and that's our mindset and you have a healthy mindset, right? If somebody wants to give you something for free, like great. Why are you trying to resist it so much? And that's a question you have to ask yourself. So are you too cynical to receive good things from others? When that happens to you, do you show gratitude or relief? when things go your way. So am I relieved when somebody gives me something for free or blesses me in a certain way? Do I show gratitude? Is that a natural response for me to say thank you and and kind of want to give back to them or it fills your cup so you want to give to somebody else? Or is that not part of your thought process? And if it's not part of your thought process, that might be something to look at too. Of Do you have a heart that can receive? Because if you position yourself and do that mindset work of having a heart of gratitude, things will come your way. That's been my experience. That's been my client's experience. That's been Megan's experience. And I can't exactly tell you why that is, but I know it to be true. And that's a fundamental principle that I've heard from many successful people, many high achieving people, is they're humble. They're thankful. They show gratitude when even when it doesn't need to be displayed, they show gratitude and humility. And that is a heart for truly receiving um, that is so, so, so necessary. Last question, do you hoard your good things or are you a giver? So thinking about that Olympian mindset, okay? If they wanted to achieve something big, a lot of times these people are also really quick to give to those around them. They're warm-hearted and um, they don't feel like they have to hoard what they have because they can always make more. And that's 
really kind of wrapping this up here, when you know and you have the confidence in who you are, what you can do, then you don't have that poverty mindset of, oh, I have to hold on so tightly to the things around me because this is it. This is all I'm ever going to have. And there's nothing more for me ever. Do you, do you hear the, weak, the weakness in that mindset and the fear in that mindset? Now, what I'm not saying is an Olympic athlete can't be like prideful and can't be like horrible to other people. Like I'm not using specific people, but I'm just using Olympian because it's easy to attribute the mindset of that. Okay. But I hope you heard what I just said in the mindset coaching there. So if you're a person who tends to hoard things, so if there's a spread and you're you're eating dinner with people, this might be a behavior in food where you're constantly thinking on the table, okay, who's going to get the last one? Like I need to get, you're, you're in fight or flight of I need to feed myself, I need to feed myself, I need to feed myself rather than stopping when you're full, but worried about the leftovers and worried about there not being any food, worried about you know, are you going to get enough? Am I getting enough? Am I going to get enough? Am I going to get enough? That is an easy example with food. That can also be the case with money. If finances have you and you don't have your finances, right? If you are so stingy with your money that you can't give $2 to a homeless man, right? Or a bottle of water to somebody who needs it or inviting somebody over to your house for dinner because you're so on a budget. I want to challenge you guys that that is not a healthy way of thinking. And I could get into with budget stuff, I could get into the specifics of psychology says that you spend up to the budget that you have. So when you make more money, especially in America, being a consumer culture, uh, you end up spending the budget or the spending the capacity that you have rather than keeping your spending habits what they were, even if you got a raise. Hopefully I'm explaining that in a way that you can you can understand. So everyone's like, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire. I want all these things. Great. But the healthy person expands their finances while keeping their budget what it was before and throwing the rest in their savings. That you see the strength in that mindset, whether it's food, whether it's finances, whether it's whatever. If you are holding so tightly to what you have, you have that hoarder's mindset, you lose the opportunity. So if you can see, if you're listening to audio, you can't see this visual, but I have I'm having a tight, tight, tight fist right now. If I'm hoarding so, so, so tight to the thing in my fist inside. I lose the opportunity to open my fist, palms up, and give to somebody who needs it more than me so that that palm facing up can also receive something back, okay? And I think that's such a good visual that I'm going to leave you with here today. Do you have a closed fist that's aggressive, that's hoarding, that has a negative mindset, or do you have an open hand ready to give, ready to receive today? And... It all started back with that tree analogy, right? Having deep, deep roots is a strong mindset. All of these things go together, guys. They really, really do. And my deepest hope is that you really latch on to this principle and apply it to where you are at in your life. Think, achieve, receive. It's a pipeline. It's a framework, whatever you want to call it. But to be honest, at the end of the day, it's just truth. 
It is. And I've seen this to be a huge blessing in my own life, in my marriage, in the way that I live my life. And these things have been really practical concepts from people who I value as leaders and I've seen live healthy lives. So if this impacted you in a positive way, I would love to hear about it. Uh, DM Powerhouse Pageantry on Instagram or me at Ali Mancuso. And I would love to chat with you and hear your testimonials from implementing these three things into your life. I know that I know that I know it can have a positive impact on all of you guys listening. And I'm really excited for you to just grab this and run with it and start implementing it in your lives. So that's all I have for you on today's podcast. I will see you all next week. Have a fabulous rest of your day. Bye, guys. Hey, guys, what's up? It's Coach Allie here again, popping in. You are listening to this on the back half of our Powerhouse Winter Mastermind. We just had it last week. And if you are listening to this like, oh my gosh, I missed out. Where can I go to hear about future events at Powerhouse? Go to mastermind.powerhousepageantry.com for all the information. We will be holding our next mastermind in-person event in Omaha, Nebraska in May of this year. So 2023. Spots are already filling up. We do have limited availability here in this venue. So we're only taking 20 spots. So if you want to secure your spot today, go to mastermind.powerhousepageantry.com or email us at info at powerhousepageantry.com to secure your spot today. If you want help with your walking, your talents, your onstage presentation, your interview, your onstage question, all of those things, we do a mock pageant and we have specific workshops at these mastermind events to help you thrive to help you succeed, and really to help prepare you for your upcoming pageants. Not to mention, if you want to meet other pageant title holders from across the country in different divisions, it's an amazing networking event to help you boost your platforms, your exposure to new things, and really your confidence. So again, if you want to secure your spot for our next Mastermind coming up May 2023 in Omaha, Nebraska, go to mastermind.powerhousepageantry.com. Hey guys, it's Coach Allie. Thank you so much for listening to the Powerhouse Podcast. Megan and I absolutely love our listener base and we couldn't do what we do without you guys. If you stayed all the way till this part of the podcast, there's a couple things that I wanna make sure that you know. We are constantly updating our resources to be the latest, greatest trainings and stay really up to date with trends. So if you want to figure out how to save $700 overall on pageant coaching, we have a service called the Powerhouse Club among some other things. And to be honest, it is the best coaching in the world. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but we have the best community with amazing women from every single state in the United States in our community. And we just love pouring into you guys. So if you want to figure out how to save $700 overall, like I said, be a part of the best coaching service in the world. Click the link below. We would love to assist you.